Hey everyone, and welcome into FCC Talk. I am your host, John Rhodes, Children and Family Minister here at First Christian Church, joined today by Dan, the Worship Minister here at First Christian Church. Dan, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, John. Thanks for having me on today. A lot going on this week for you. Are you pretty busy, or how's the week been going? The week's been going just fine. Kind of a normal week. We got a little bit extra going on because we got some new songs that we're working on and some different projects like that. But, you know, we're just moving forward, having a good time. Very good. Very good. Fun stuff. I know people people like to hear about new songs and the mix and things like that. We're so. <laughs> <laughs> trying to bring in a bunch this year. So it's it's a bit of work, but it's going to it's going to really pay off. Awesome. Awesome. Fantastic. Uh, If you're watching on YouTube, please do remember to like and subscribe. We appreciate that. And uh, comment as well. If you have any thoughts about things we discuss, uh, if you have an opinion or anything like that, we'd love to hear you out and hear what you think as well. If you're listening on podcast afterward, uh, please do give us a uh, rating over there. Five-star ratings help very much for other people to hear more from the podcast and things like that. So uh, please do that and subscribe over there. And just a reminder, if CC Talk is all about just talking through things going on, uh, you know, Christian things going on in our world today. We, you know, focus on ministry insights, uh, church news, biblical news, all kinds of things like that. We do stay away from politics. That's not, you know, you can get that anywhere. <laughs> we they try to stay away from politics. <laughs> we do not pretend to be experts, uh, nor do I really pay that much attention to politics. So, uh, And that will be all the politics that are mentioned on this show today. Let's go to the first topic, Dan. Our very first topic right. is a band called King's Kaleidoscope. Are you familiar with King's Kaleidoscope, Dan? Minimally. Yeah. I know just a little bit about them. <sighs> yes, King's Kaleidoscope got their... Um, Beginning, I guess you could say, with a church out in, oh, where was it? Was it Seattle? Mars Hill? Yeah, the uh, Seattle area. Yes, it was the church that Mark Driscoll, if you uh, have ever listened to him or heard of his name, it's the church that he first began at and uh, planted. And the front man for King's Kaleidoscope is named Chad Gardner. Well, Chad Gardner has some new rules for the band he wants other people to know about. Now, we could go into the deep, long history of King's Kaleidoscope. I guess it's not that long, but it's kind of deep with with things that they've spoken about and some of the criticisms they've gotten in the past. You're free to look up some of those things if you would like. Uh, but essentially, what Chad Gardner is trying to explain with the release of the band's new album and a single that they just had come out. I think it's called Radiant Reason is the single. Um, he wants to make sure that their fans and people who listen to their music know they are not a Christian band. They don't want the label mm-hmm. Christian band. Uh, yep. His label that he prefers for the band and for other people to know them as are Christians making music so not christian Mm -hmm. band you know kind of sounds like the same thing to me dan but (laughs) christian's (laughs) making music not christian band uh dan you obviously have been in the music scene much longer than i have and know these Mm -hmm. uh things going on in that area but much better than me so my question to you is what are your thoughts about a band wanting to describe themselves as christians making music instead of just being a christian band or christian music something Mm -hmm. like that well i think that it's perfectly reasonable as a matter of fact um I almost prefer that in and of itself for myself. I mean, there there is definitely a time and a place for Christian 
music, I think. Music that is specifically targeted toward a Christian audience, but especially when you start getting into some of the minutiae of, I guess you could call it the scene or the industry or whatever that is, that actually carries with it a great deal of baggage. And there's a number of reasons for that. There's also a lot of positives for it as well. Uh, when I was going to school, when I was wrapping up at the Contemporary Music Center, which people may or may not have probably haven't heard about that, but it's it's basically a very specialized program for uh, music industry oriented students. And it, it tackles it from a Christian music industry perspective. But one of the things that they talked to us quite a bit about there was the idea of writing music or exploring music that is about the light or writing and exploring music, which actually is how the world looks when you see it through the light. Okay. That to me is one of the great distinctions, because if you look at the music, Christian music landscape today, the vast majority of what you see is worship music. Nothing wrong with that. Sacred music is wonderful. But I do think that there is definitely room for those that feel inspired to write about a broader range of topics, you know, to explore things like life and relationships, not everything. I mean, there are arguments to be made that could say like the greatest form of music is ascriptive praise to God, right? And I think that's true, but God did not create us to be one dimensional. And there is a lot to say artistically, creatively, and even theologically about the world around us. So I think it I think it's reasonable and and there's also a lot of baggage being a quote unquote Christian artist. As soon as you are late as soon as you drop yourself into that bucket, I ran into just a little bit of this with my little band that I was in for a number of years as we were touring. As soon as you call yourself a Christian artist, there is this ridiculous standard that gets applied to your life. And even now in a lot of the Christian music, because I'm a big fan of Christian music, especially on the rock and roll side of things, you know, I'm a big fan, but I, I'm in a lot of different groups and things. And there are constantly people like, well, this band had this person on as a guest. Are they actually Christian? The words, are they actually Christian pop up all the time for teeny, teeny little things. There is no margin for humanity when you call yourself a Christian artist. So there is a lot, I, I could see why an artist would want to create this distinction for themselves. Like, yes, we're Christians. We're going to write music that showcases our belief. This is how we see the world. And this is what we think the world needs. And this is how, you know, um, we would approach these situations. But for goodness sake, don't call us a Christian band because we don't want to be your paragon. You know what I mean? I, I get that. That makes sense to me. Yeah. I'm off my soapbox now. <laughs> as you were talking about that, I recalled, um, I, I mean, the very first thought I had in my mind when I thought about, you know, this whole thing is um, Reliant K and some of the bands back in the day with them. You know, Reliant K, they had a lot of music that could be attributed to their faith. Christianity, uh, and all different kinds of areas there, but it wasn't like every single song was true. I mean, they had like some of the silliest songs <laughs> that I yeah. had ever heard. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the Sadie Hawkins dance, all those kind of things at the same time, Marilyn Manson also, ate my girlfriend. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, they would then also have 
songs that had very deep meaning, you know, Be My Escape, yeah, yeah. Um, other songs like that, that had, you know, they weren't overtly like, you know, God save me. But if you read deep into it and you knew Matt Thiessen and who he was, um, you knew that it was an unapologetically Christian song that was very deep. Absolutely. For his life. Um, and then even when you said that, I remember, oh, how long ago? I think it might have just been about a year ago. Reliant K went on tour. I don't think it was their tour. I think they were invited on somebody else's tour uh, mm-hmm. who was not a Christian and did not make Christian music. Um, and, oh, and that'll just... Uh, mm. Right. And not that their music was particularly vulgar, um, but that it just was not Christian music. Um, and I think there was something else about their personal life that made people um, not be want, not think that they should be associated with them. But the same questions were asked about Matt Thiessen and his group. It's like, well, you know, have they just fallen into the music scene? Are they even Christians anymore? And it's, you know, my, my mind, yeah, I'm thinking it's the myself, knee jerk reaction, right? Like number one, do I like Reliant K's music that they are continuing to put out there? Yes. Do I think it's crossing any boundaries, any lines? No. Uh, and I don't know Matt Thiessen personally, so right. I don't know why I would feel the need to judge him on a personal level <laughs> and deter- right. you know, make a determination about his his spiritual life um, that I see as true because of what I know. Uh, <laughs> right. And and part of that too is you know the profession you are you and I are in is you know sometimes people have an idea of exactly the way we should be as ministers that you know if if you are a minister you never do anything wrong or you're always going to do these things or whatever um, and I think it's easier for us a little bit because I think people get to know us better on a personal level. Uh, they get to see our families and interact with us a little bit more. But you're right. When you have all of that disconnected in the music scene, it can be really, really difficult to see that person as a person, as somebody who, you know, like like I said, is an actual person and not just right. some kind of figure or something like that. How would you say that we mm-hmm. see it? Was a figure a good way to look at it? Or what do you think? That That's a very good question. And I think that that would be a little bit different for everybody. The primary thing yeah. that I see is that people have a tendency to project their own idea of what it means to be a Christian onto other people. Okay. Um, the, the, the scriptures, you know, are, are very, very guided in this way. And we, and everybody thinks differently. Some people are very, very black and white. Some people think are a little bit more in the gray, but I think that for a lot of people, um, Ooh, I saw them do this thing that I don't think is Christian. Are they Christian? You know, because I don't think, you know, it, it, it oftentimes comes down to what we personally believe that a Christian should be. And, um, that I think we start to get into some dangerous territory, but I also am not going to completely condemn that either because the Bible does tell us to be discerning right? The Bible tells us to use good judgment, and the Bible also tells us to call out false teachers and false prophets. So, and I, so I think that for an artist, 
you know, and even I would kind of fall into this because, you know, I, I, I used to do this sort of thing. I still do little bits here and there on my own, but for a person who considers themselves an artist or a creator, unless you are willing to accept on yourself the mantle of responsibility that comes from, say, not even so much being an artist, but like a worship leader or something like that, you know, um, you're, I, I think that it's a very good idea probably to say, I am a Christian, but what you're going to get is me and my relationship with Christ expressed through my music. You know, I'm not going to associate myself with this umbrella because frankly, you know, either you don't want the responsibility or I don't know, it, it's not appropriate for you. Well, I, I think that difference. I think I think that there's a there's a range here that we can operate in rather than everything being, oh, you're a Christian. You have to be a Christian artist. And don't you dare, right? I mean, I've literally seen right. people that say they didn't mention Jesus in that song once. How are they a Christian? <laughs> I mean <laughs> Can you go bowling without, you know, praising Jesus when you get a strike? Yeah. <laughs> It's like, you know, or, or it's like us in our normal lives, like. Right. I mean, our lives, our worldview, who we are, what we, the decisions that we make, everything revolves around Christ. Right. But he has also given us the ability to analyze, I mean, and, and express creatively the things that we see and feel. Not everything has to be a clone of the last thing. Right. And I think that's the difference that is sometimes hard to understand when a band is like King's Kaleidoscope is describing themselves as Christians making music versus mm-hmm. a band who would, you know, be a worship band or something like that. Right. Right. I mean, right. if some, if you guys got up on Sunday morning and decided to sing, you know, <laughs> Coldplay, be like, okay, well, this is. No, that would never happen. This is a little weird. <laughs> we only do good music, John. We'll only play oh, okay. good music. <laughs> Sorry. <my bad. laughs> um, but you see what I'm saying? Like, if you if a worship band got up there and they didn't mention Jesus at all in their song and they're claiming that it's worship right. to God, then yeah, that would make sense. But if somebody is just making music, they're a Christian, they have Christian influences in their music, but the music is more personal and kind of about them... Um, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think that, you know, there needs to be this overt, and it's going to sound bad, but, you know, this overt worship music in every single part of every single mm-hmm. song. You know, obviously we should be worshiping God in all that we do, uh, but I, that's that looks different in different ways other than just mentioning him in every song, right? Right. Well, there's part part of being created in the image of God is to be able to think on multiple levels and to be able to express yourself creatively. And yet, through your creation, because you come from a Christian perspective, the perspective that you produce through your music will ultimately be glorifying to Him. Just because you're not writing songs of direct ascriptive praise and using the same verbiage that everybody else is using, because we've almost created a language in worship music. I mean, how many songs can you think of where they use the phrase, you break my chains or some variant thereof? It's basically a trope at this point. And it's in so many songs, right? There are other ways to express that idea aside from just saying the same line that everybody else has used. So I'm in support of it, but I do just want to add real quick 
because I feel like this is a very deep argument. We could go on, we could have an entire hour just on oh, yeah. this topic. But I also have concerns about the other side with artists who call themselves Christian, but treat the treat their business endeavors as if they are not. Okay. There is no such thing as a night of worship that you buy a ticket for. Okay. There is no such thing as a night of worship where there's a door charge. Okay. If you are going to be leading the people of God in worship of God, that should be open to all. You can charge for a ticket because you are working and you deserve to receive payment for your hard work. However, don't call it worship because at that point it's a show. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I do get tired of people on the other side of the spectrum who are capitalizing on the idea of being a Christian rather than being honest about what their true intentions are. That may seem very judgmental, but after having seen behind the scenes for a number of years, I I am very, very skeptical about a lot of that side of the industry as well. No, that makes total sense to me. Um, So you're saying I won't have to buy a ticket on February 16th for the worship night, huh? You are not. No, just show up. (laughs) Good, good. Um, All right, Dan, I think we covered that really well. Appreciate your thoughts there. I always like talking about the the music stuff. It's uh, I think people find it interesting and I know I do. So Uh, our next article that we're going to talk about, this one comes from the Gospel Coalition. As per usual, I love the Gospel Coalition. Found a lot of uh, not just stuff for the show there, but also just stuff that I read personally. And this was actually one that I read that I wanted to discuss. I was just reading it personally, and I thought, this one needs to be discussed on the podcast. And the title of the article is The Most Pessimistic Religion in the World. Uh, now, it's written by a man named Jerry Re- Rundown. I don't know how to say his last name, but, uh, and he is up in Dearborn, Michigan. Are you familiar with Dearborn, Michigan, Dan? Just ish. I, I know the general area. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of the largest Muslim, you know, capacities of people in America. And so there's a lot of mission work being done up in Dearborn, trying to, mm-hmm. you know, help people that, you know, obviously have a, you know, spiritual connection uh, with God there, mm-hmm. but they don't obviously have, you know, the same beliefs that we do. And so there's a lot of missionaries going up there trying to spread uh, the word of Jesus and his love and those different kinds of things to the people up there. And this, uh, the, the, the writer here, Jerry, he actually goes through some of his conversations that he'll have with Muslims mm-hmm. uh, when he is evangelizing to them. And I'm just going to read one of one of his uh, conversations that he puts out there. Uh, he says, I often say, I'm curious, talking to the Muslim person, what's the core that Christianity and Islam share? What makes our religions so similar. Well, at the end of the day, the response usually goes, we're all trying to live the best lives we can to please God and to get into heaven. And Jerry will respond, what if I told you that Christianity is far, far too pessimistic to believe that? In fact, I think Christianity is the most pessimistic religion in the world. And what he's trying to get at there is that the, uh, the Muslim or whoever that he is speaking to in that situation says that they're trying to live their best lives to please God and get into heaven, where Jerry is saying, there is nothing that we can do to please God. There is nothing we can do to earn our way 
into heaven. In fact, yeah. we are you know, dirty, rotten sinners who need somebody to come save us. And that's the mm-hmm. pessimism that he's getting at here is that we need Jesus to save us because we are so dirty. We are so rotten. Uh, we are so sinful that we need Jesus to save us because there's nothing we can actually do to please God and get to heaven. Uh, Dan, what's your reaction to this method of evangelism uh, that Jerry uses? <laughs> I think it'd make a great song. <laughs> um, I, I, th- I think it's interesting because this is an interesting conversation. I, the, using the word pessimistic, I know why he does it. Sorry, I dropped. I know why he it's okay. I know he why he uses the word pessimistic. It's very attention grabbing. You know, it's it's kind of out there. I I'm not sure I'm a big fan of the word pessimistic, but I tell you what, it it would definitely get somebody's attention. I tend it to think we're the most re- I mean, it got mine too, and it was a very interesting article. And this guy obvious I'm sure, I'm sure he understands what it takes to communicate with people from a Muslim background far better than I do. And so Obviously, he knows how to implement this tactic because what he's really doing is he's stimulating that part of their ideology that differs from Christianity, you know, because really, and and he also referenced in this article, which I've seen this before, that Muslims are basically taught that them and they and Christians are basically the same, right? Mm -hmm. But what they don't understand is that could not be further from the truth. You know, the, the, the God that they worship, Allah is not the God of the Bible. He's just not. And this is one of those things that demonstrates that very, very fact is because, you know, we understand, we understand that both Jesus is God. Jesus is not just a great prophet. Jesus was God and Jesus died to pay this cost for us because of, as this guy says, being pessimistic, we ain't good enough. We ain't good enough on our own. And so it's, and the idea of the center on self versus the center on God. He made a great observation in this article, or maybe it was the quote from the, the young man that he was talking to. I can't remember, but in this article, the, the, the statement is made that if, um, if we are working to buy our, to get our way into heaven, if we're trying to please God by doing actions in order to earn our way to heaven, it is a selfish motivation. However, if Christ comes and pays that bill for us, it no long speak, not, it's no longer a motivation of selfishness. It's a motivation of gratitude and thankfulness. And that is the theme of salvation, taking the emphasis off of ourselves. Not, that is the great lie of the devil, is the worship of self. God reverses that. And he says, your worship comes to me and your actions are in response to what I have done. It's, it's not about us, you know, right. it's not about us. So I, I, I thought it was a very interesting, interesting reading. Yeah. I think it's it's really, really interesting to unpack in a conversation with somebody else as well to think through, you know, like you said, pessimistic, kind of a strange word to use there because I don't think of myself yeah. as being, you know, <laughs> just down on myself. Yeah. Like, oh, man. I, yeah. On, you know, I, I do find the gospel is good news, right? Yeah. Right. right. Uh, but I, but in order to have that good news, I have to know what the bad news is, right? There is no good news if we don't have the bad news as well. 
Um, and there's a book I can't I can't find it on my. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, I saw you checking out your bookshelf over there. I was gonna grab it and bring it over here, but I can't I can't find it. Anyway, it's called The Explicit Gospel, and it's oh, it says it's in my office. Oh, you have it. Okay, so yeah, (laughs) I think I've got it. Yeah, yeah, but I I just I love that book because it it really helps understand that you know. When a lot of people hear about Christianity, they hear about God loves us, he cares for us, which is all true, which is all great to know. But the reason why we have to have them is have him is because we need him. And that's the part that's right. of Christianity that's not as fun to talk about is that we are dirty, rotten sinners. Um, there's, a, mm-hmm. there's a guy on YouTube called Cliff uh, Connectly. Uh, who talks okay. about this? He goes to Christian campus or not Christian. He goes to college campuses college. all over mm-hmm. America and he will look at people in the eye and say, I'm glad you love yourself. I, if I didn't have Jesus, then I would be very, very upset with myself quite often because I see myself as a dirty, rotten person, you know? And he says, mm-hmm. I still yeah. kind of see myself like that sometimes, but I then understand God's love for me, that he has forgiven me, he's made me right, so therefore I don't have to feel that way anymore, but if I have morals and I have a belief in, you know, the way we treat other people, then I realize I don't do a very good job of that. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's the part that is kind of jarring to people when he does evangelize to them on these campuses, is they think, oh, I thought you were a Christian who, you know, God loves everybody and he's, you know, it's all kind of good news and flowers and like, yes, it is at the end, but there's also some bad news you have to learn at the start to get yourself to that good news. That's right. That's right. I admire people like that who have to help to guide them, right? You know, to guide them to an understanding of the truth. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, it's his show is called Give Me an Answer on YouTube. Clift. Uh, okay. If anybody ever wants to watch him, he's very, very, Connectly. very, th- yeah. Uh, K N E T C H L E, I think. Uh, okay. I, I can find him. Something along those lines. If you put in Give Me an Answer, Cliff, you'll find it. Um, okay. But he's. He is very thought-provoking and very interesting. His son kind of has taken over the ministry for him now because he's gotten older, uh, so he doesn't do it as much. But um, sometimes you see the old clips, the ones where it's like, you know, square-shaped instead of widescreen. Yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> but he uh, he does such a good job. It's very, very interesting. All right, Dan, let's cool. move on to our last topic. Our last topic here is... Wouldn't you believe it? 40% of Christians wouldn't attend their church if it was solely online. So this was a study put out by Barna. They, they, this is a predominantly Christian study put out there, but basically they went through and they asked Christians. Barna's fantastic. I love Barna. Um, they asked Christians many different questions about online church, online ministry, how it relates yeah. to currently, uh, in-person church, those different kinds of things. But the, you know, obviously the biggest statistic they found is that 40% of Christians wouldn't attend church if it was solely online. Now, obviously our church does online. Uh, we don't promote it as, you know, do this and you don't have to do anything else. 
Other churches sometimes do that, or maybe they do it intentionally or unintentionally, but it can kind of seem like that. I'm not trying to say we're better than anybody else, but that's just not how we choose to do it. Um, But this was very interesting to hear because I would have thought the way that the world is going, that number would have been higher, you know, because I know Mm -hmm. a number of people who they watch church on Sunday morning and that's all they do. Uh, They don't attend or they very rarely attend, but predominantly they uh, go, you know, click a link on Sunday morning and then they have some kind of small group that they go to uh, or something like that. But predominantly they just watch the worship service online and kind of have their church for the day. So, so my question to you, Dan, is would you personally be able to not just attend, but to work at a church that held services online only? It all depends on what the circumstances were that the church was online. You know what I mean? There, yeah. There's so many other factors. I mean, I think if we just got to the point where we said, you know what? We don't really want to pay an electric bill anymore. Property taxes really, you know, we just, I don't know if I could do that. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, maybe in an extreme circumstance, I remember when the COVID thing was really big. You know, and and things were really, really weird for a while there. And all we had was online. Yeah, I played the game, you know, but and, and it was OK. But I certainly wouldn't want to still be doing it that way. Um, I'm I am. I mean, if my only church personally, like if obviously if I wasn't in the position that I'm in and my only option for church was online, I would participate. I wouldn't be one of those 40 percent of people that'd be like, oh, either I'm in the building or nothing else. But um, we're also definitely not to a place in our society yet where we have that worry, <laughs> you know, now that who knows 10 years from now, right? Right. No, socially, you know, uh, technologically where things are going to be in a decade, right. no one can say. But um, currently, it's it's just not really a problem. You can find a, a congregation or a church body to worship with. And I definitely think it's more valuable if you are able. I think online church is one of the greatest things that happened for people that are homebound, you know, uh, for people that are, or are dealing with illnesses or, you know, you wake up, you, you don't really have to miss church anymore, right? If you wake up on Sunday morning and you're sick, you flip it on, you still catch the message, catch the announcements, be up to date on what's going on, you know, and that's great. And then you're back in the seat next week when you feel better. That's awesome. Where I think the problems come in is where people see it as a substitute. And then basically at that point, you're not really a church member. You're a consumer, right. you know, but yeah, uh, that's my opinion. I, I, Another piece that they put out there is seven in 10 Christians say building community is more meaningful in person than it is online, um, which, uh, you know, I, I'm the youngest one on staff here. I've never had, you know, a relationship on a relationship, a friendship or a connection or something like that online that has been nearly as meaningful or impactful in my life as one that I've had in person, uh, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. somebody face to face that I can actually speak to. Um, right. so for me, it's, it's hard to even imagine trying to have a church community, a church 
you know, that I have built community with online versus in person. Not saying it can't happen. I'm sure there are people who are more wired that way. Uh, but for me, I, I would do anything possible to attend a church that had some kind of meeting time uh, together, whether that would be the service, whether that would be uh, some kind of large, small groups event or something like that. But I crave that meeting time together um, to, uh, to, to build that community. So um, yeah, Dan, my other question to you was what makes a community in person different than a community online? Should churches kind of go one way or should they embrace both that is another very very good question and i think really it depends on the church you know i think you know what surprised me about that that statistic of seven to ten people saying that communities better formed in person i'm surprised it's that low i would think that it would be more like nine out of ten honestly because but what I would love to see is that statistic broken down by age. I really would. That would be fascinating to see because one of the things that I've learned, realized, and actually I've heard a story about this recently where a guy was talking about um, an interaction he had where he got to know somebody through social media and then found out that it was actually a relative of the person that he was getting to know who was kind of taking advantage of this this other person's social media accounts. So he was a bit deceived. What amazed me was the intensity of his response to that because he genuinely believed that he was having real meaningful contact with another human being through social media. To me, that's a foreign concept because when I look at the internet, when I look at interactions through the internet, I, I, I don't even consider it a real interaction. You know, I don't look at it as really connecting with another person. And so if I found that I'd be, I'd be probably more like, Oh, well, that was weird. You know, I won't do that again. That kind of thing. I wouldn't be heartbroken and betrayed and you know, the, some of the extreme emotions that he displayed. But anyway, I only bring that out, bring that up to point out that there are many people who are much younger than myself who interpret what I would consider to be very surface level online interactions as true human interaction, which I believe is why that number is lower than I expected it to be. Where people, you know, think about that 30% of Christians think that you can build meaningful relationships across a keyboard and a monitor. That is mind blowing to me. Okay. Um, and so anyway, your question was what well, should churches should embrace? embrace? Yeah. Like should churches yeah. embrace both? Should they just focus on one? Uh, obviously we don't focus too much on an online yeah. community for our church. I like the way that we do it. Honestly, I really do because we have it as an option and we do encourage it for people that need it who can't get here. Right. And there have also been a couple of occasions, like a couple of weeks ago, when we had that super freeze and it was really dangerous to be outside. And our, we had over 200 people online that day because, and so for me, it's like, okay, that worked. Right. That was a good day to have an online church service. But we don't encourage anybody, we encourage people to come in the building. 
It's like, this is a resource. We have this. We offer this. It's really convenient. It's good. We encourage you to use it when you're not able to be here. But please do yourself a favor and come to church. Yeah. Um, I really like that Barna put together kind of a list here of um, things that churches do. Uh, and they had people vote on if they were more meaningful in person or more meaningful online. Did you see this list, Dan? Yeah. I think yeah. that's what I'm looking at right now. Yeah. Yeah. They listed I'm actually things looking at like it. children's ministry, meeting people's physical needs, emotional support, welcoming visitors, ministry mm-hmm. to the elder or to the elderly, uh, building community, opportunities to serve, opportunities to lead, discipleship, encouragement, worship, growing closer to God, prayer, listening or learning from the sermon or message, listening to the sermon or message. Uh, it was no surprise to me that on this list, the things that people felt like could be more meaningful online were learning from the sermon or message and listening sure. to the sermon or message. Um, but worship wasn't right How do you there. do? Yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, worship wasn't right there with it, like, because that's typically a part of the worship service as well as the speaking, the preaching, Mm -hmm. the prayer, uh, you know, communion offering those things. Uh, but worship wasn't down there with many of those things, uh, growing closer to God, um, was actually, uh, voted to be what, uh, more meaningful, uh, or about the same than, uh, than worship was. What were your, what was your reaction to some of these things, Dan? Well, these numbers made a lot more sense to me. Although once again, with, with certain things, I just don't know, understand what people are thinking. You know what I mean? And that that's one of the challenges of being in ministry is trying to understand. It's like, okay, where are people coming from? How are they thinking about these things? What is their motivation? Like, for example, the fact that, I mean, only 72% of people think that children's ministry is more meaningful in person. Once again, that just blows my mind. Now there's a margin in there. There's 18% of people here that say it's about the same, whether it's online or in-person for children's ministry. To me, it's, I guess, a complete no-brainer, right? So yeah. Get the kids to church. How do you even do As that? somebody who does children's ministry, I can tell you it's a lot more meaningful in person. than. Can you imagine trying to sit across from a webcam with a kid on Sunday morning to you know, to, to try to teach them a lesson or something like that? I just, that, that one's out there for me. However, it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't surprise me. Like the number one thing that would be, that's about almost break even is listening to the sermon. He, that one's about as effective. On, be, and that's also the easiest part of the service to translate online. Okay. Because it's one person on the stage. It's non-interactive. You know, it's from the pastor to the congregation you know, you're receiving the information that he's presenting. So that one does make more sense to me. Um, but yeah, worship's pretty close to the bottom too. And that doesn't really surprise me that it wasn't further down just because it's also really hard to translate music online. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to capture that and have well, a really I've, good live production. I've had people tell me, you know, it, it's weird sitting in our living room trying to worship you know, sing along with the worship songs. Uh, Most people are going to end up just watching. Yeah. 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 Or or you, you're sitting on your couch and then you say, stand up for worship. And then you're standing up in your living room. And uh, it's just, 
like I said, it's not that it can't be done, uh, but over um, over uh, 2020 and 2021, when we were doing a lot of our services <laughs> online, I had the same thought where Hannah and I would be sitting there together and the music would be playing and we'd be trying to, you know, maybe sing along and do some of those things but it just feels weird when when it's just you and one other person <laughs> right singing together instead of you right know, a room full of corporate worship so, so yes um the one thing and this is just a funny thing and it's not really anything critical and just in my mind it doesn't you know it doesn't compute but the meeting people's physical needs <laughs> how is that more meaningful yeah. online <laughs> People voted 72% more meaningful in person. Okay. 18% about the same. How? 10% more meaningful online. How? <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure there's something else to it that they described it with, but I'm like, if I'm going to meet Dan's Weird. physical needs, then I have to be physically with Dan to you know, help him. I, you know, If Dan needs pushed in his wheelchair, I can't be sitting on the phone saying, you can do it. I'm pushing. It doesn't. Maybe maybe someday we'll just have VR church where we all control a robot or something like that, and then maybe that'll that'll happen. But it ain't we ain't there now. There we go. Yeah, I like that. Um, all right, I think we exhausted that one, Dan. Um, Dan, we'll get to <laughs> we'll get into the next part. What you eating, what you watching, what you're reading. Is there anything going on in your life that you want to share? Uh, anything new that uh, you're involved in or anything like that? Oh, you know, not a whole lot of new stuff. I've been eating a lot of deli meat recently. Oh, I get under nice. these kicks where I really enjoy deli meat. I am uh, currently reading to my boys. We're reading Baxter, the entirety of the Chronicles of Narnia. That's always a fun thing. I've done that. I don't know. I've done it about every seven or eight years with the guys, you know, we just reread through the Chronicles of Narnia and that's always good. There's so much to be learned from those stories. You know, imagine, imagine if C.S. Lewis, I think back to the, you know, the Christians in a band, you know, thing that are you a Christian band or are you not what, and apply that to C.S. Lewis as an author for a second. What if C.S. Lewis was only ever allowed to write theological books and we would not have the Chronicles of Narnia. You know what I mean? It's like there's God built us to be so diverse and deep. So I'm reading that to the boys. Um, I'm not watching anything right now except old Simpsons reruns. That's basically it. <laughs> I don't really have a lot of time for TV. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's better to be reading anyway. Are you reading it to them? Um, I think you said before, like before bed and stuff like that. Yep, we've done that yep. for years. You know, where awesome. put the little guys into bed and then. Well, actually, I, I okay. So, parenting win. You know, I figured out that uh, my boys, you know, they're really, really into like Japanese animation, anime. They're really, really into anime, and so I was like, okay, how can I, how can I connect with my kids? So I have been watching through um, the show Attack on Titan with the boys. It's actually really good. <laughs> I had. I had to get used to the the visual style because I'm not an anime fan. I do not yeah. like the way anime looks, but it has some of the best writing I've ever I've seen in a show in years. So that's been pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. We do we watch about one episode a night if we can. That's about twenty five minutes and then that's what we get. Yeah. That's been fun. Yeah. Uh writing's kinda gone 
downhill on a little bit of TV lately. So if you can find something with good writing, that's uh that's nice to latch on to. Mm-hmm. Um, I oh I've just been I've been watching The Office lately. Not as many sports yep. right now for me to watch, but uh, can't you know, go wrong basketball. there. Yeah, college basketball, uh, the Super Bowl in a couple weeks. Hannah's all excited about that because Taylor Swift is dating one of the football players. And uh, so it's the only time that my wife has ever asked me if a football team won or not. And she asked by saying, hey, did Taylor Swift's team win? And I said, Hannah, Taylor Swift does not play for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, but it's her team, right? Which... I don't really care, but to some other football fans, what does that even mean? That. <laughs> they can't stand that. So, uh, wow. Yeah. She asked me the other day if we have any Super Bowl parties that we're going to. And I said, I don't know of any. So, so she's currently planning one. Um, I never thought that oh, my wife yeah. would be planning a Super Bowl party, but, uh, when Taylor Swift is in, are you proud? Are you uh, proud? <laughs> mixed emotions. <laughs> mixed emotions. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but we'll we'll have fun with that. We're going down with some of her friends uh, that she teaches with, and we'll, I'm sure we'll watch the game and have fun with that. But but yeah, so um, Dan, before we get out of here, you got a Bible verse or anything that's been on your mind or on your heart or anything that you want to share with the people a little bit? Um, yeah, hang on here just a second. No, I I actually saw something the other day. We were talking about the idea of the Sabbath, right? We were talking about the idea of the Sabbath and the importance of the Sabbath and the importance of rest. And I once again, you know, the the whole idea of the uh, the article we read about communicating with Muslims and these the way that we can think we are similar, but our perceptions cause us to really end up in the end to be believing in two very different things. I I just thought mm-hmm. this was interesting. Um, this was this is an instance where uh, Jesus healed um, a crippled man on the Sabbath, and, it, and this is from Mark uh, chapter three, starting in the third verse. It says, "Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone.' Then he turned to his critics." his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the, on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or destroy it? You know, when Jesus came, his entire, one of his big things he did was take human expectations and flip them on their, right. And so oftentimes we'll take something. And I think of this with like the whole, Christian music, super critical, you know, we have to, ju- they, we, we lift Christian musicians up and expect them to live up to this impossible, impossible standard of human perfection. We do the same thing with pastors, kind of like what the Jews did with the Sabbath, right? Where they said, not only did God command us to rest, but we're also going to say, you can't walk this many steps. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to do this. You have to have this done by sundown, all these extra rules put on it and then jesus comes in and says this is what you believe but is it better to do good or to do evil you know he just kind of flips it on his head so i would just encourage us to to think about that i have to do this for myself you know what perceptions do i have that are actually of my own creation that if jesus walked up and approached me he might flip on its head you know, and the only way to really know that is to be a good student of the scriptures and let him speak to us through the truth he's given. 
Yeah, yeah, and no, that's a great point, and it goes back to you know our beginning conversation, projecting what you you know feel like you need to do, uh, because obviously some of those things uh, they chose to do because they didn't want to overwork on the Sabbath, and so they said, well, mm-hmm. um, you know. <laughs> I sometimes don't even get as big as I, you know, and they taught us this in Bible college that sometimes they don't even get as big as uh, they tie a rope to themselves and they tie a rope to their bed. And once the rope got tight, <laughs> that was the. Yeah, they've was gone the too far. Oh, yep. You've worked too much today. Go back home uh, because you've, you've gone <laughs> too far. Um, and it's like, that's not ever what God intended when he said rest on the Sabbath. Um, right. and even though it, it might be a good practice to help ourselves, I set reminders for myself all the time. Do I think that every single person needs the same reminder set for themselves that I do? No. So am I going to hold everybody else to those same exact standards? No. Um, because everybody – you. You, you would hope that everybody is in close enough relationship with God that they can kind of set those reminders and those boundaries for themselves uh, that works for them because we're not we're not all the same. We're not all right. <laughs> Ab- absolutely. So, so yeah, that is the truth. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right, Dan. Uh, that's all I got today. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having um, me on, man. I appreciate it. Of course, of course, we'll uh, we'll try to get Chris on next week. He's a little bit more hit or miss. If we can't get Chris on, might try to get Shaylee on again. She uh she hasn't been on for a while, but we'll figure it out. This is kind of like a week to week thing, folks. <laughs> it's kind of like every Monday, I'm like, hey, who can do this on on Thursday afternoon, and uh, then we can post it on Friday. So so we'll see. But um, hey, definitely, if you have listened to this, let us know. Tell us if you like listening to it, what you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to keep doing it if it is uh, something that you all enjoy. Uh, and if you don't enjoy it, just tell us. Hey, we don't really listen to it. That would be nice to know too. So, <laughs> but they would have to listen to it to know that you want them to tell you that they don't listen to it. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So that, mm, that we have a sense. conundrum. Yeah. So we'll know you're <laughs> fibbing if you tell us you don't listen to it because you heard to tell us that you don't listen to it. We know you're fibbing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my. All right. Anyway, just have a great week. Have a great weekend. Yep. Uh, we'll see you Sunday and uh, just have a good time. Thanks for watching. All right. Later.